My name is Lauren Gray from Gray Management Systems, your compliance training specialists. Our aim is to bring you updates, tips and important information regarding all things compliance. Thank you for joining us. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. I have Jeff Gray with me today. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. And uh, we're going to be talking about top management and the important role that they play during any type of business management changes. Now, Jeff, you get a lot of questions, don't you, coming in about um, management and how people can get their managers on board with auditing and compliance. What advice do you have for people out there? Well, um, thanks, Lauren. The majority of the questions come from our students where the management are not committed because if um, management were committed, maybe they'd be sitting alongside their colleagues at the training. The fact that they've been allocated the task to make this happen shows a distinct lack of um, management commitment within organisations. We did a course only last week and um, for a Melbourne company and we had the entire executive management team yeah. on the course learning about certification, learning about auditing. Mm. And I said to the CEO, I thought, what an amazing show of commitment uh, mm. that the, that company is going to be successful, whatever they do. Mm. So there's one example. Um, but I just think that the success of any change process, and ex- especially certification, is directly proportional to the management commitment it's been proven over the last 30 years. Mm. And um, and when we talk, because we know we're going to talk about certification more specifically today, but, you know, it's really to do with any type of business management changes, you know, even reaction to the pandemic. Um, it, it's so important for that to be really driven from the top. Absolutely. Like someone's got to do things at work and some people have got to manage things at work. And that's what management get paid to do. And... Um, if they're not committed, or maybe we've got the wrong staff running businesses or colleagues running businesses, maybe that's where it all starts. Um, even the standards riders from way back when, when these certification standards came about, they didn't quite know what to write. Mm. And um, implementation was extremely poor. Mm. Um, it's interesting because I was going to ask you to talk about back when you started consulting um, a few years ago now, what, just like a couple, what, five years ago? <laughs> um, but what, what what have been the changes? Like what was the feeling around management back then and the sort of the appetite, I guess, for them to really, you know, take hold of the reins, so to say? Well, I started initially consulting in this field around about 1989, mm-hmm. 90, which mm-hmm. is some years ago. And the first version of the major certification standard, the quality standard, came out a couple of years before that in 87. Mm-hmm. And um, 80%, if not higher, of Australian businesses were seeking certification for marketing marketing reasons rather than what it can do to actually help them drive their business forward, which is pretty poor. And there was ignorance all round. Um, me, certification body auditors, and companies trying to put things into place. Mm. It was it was new, it was groundbreaking. Uh, we've never been, been down this path before. It was uh, quite interesting. And I think the whole fraternity has learnt together. So auditors are now better, managers are getting better. 
advisors and consultants and uh, are getting better. Trainers are getting better purely because of the evolution of the standard requirements and the knowledge that is now around. But there's been amazing changes in 30 years. Mm. Uh, if you can just equate that to the modern times where uh, systems and business management have only been around for two centuries in a formal sense. Mm. Um, we've moved a lot and shifted a lot uh, just in a short time, 30 years. Mm. So is it fair to say that um, certification was just about passing an audit back when you first started? That's a bit unfair, but it's probably close to the mark. Mm-hmm. But um, And people saw certification as a end in itself, mm-hmm. whereas it's really just the start of the, the learning journey, mm. I believe. And to gain certification, it's just a bit of a test in time as to whether or not the maturity of the management system can withstand an audit at a particular time. Mm. And that, to me, that's just the starting point. There's minimal systems in place. Mm. We haven't got um, comprehensive systems all over the place mm. that will grow over time as you continually improve and mm. go through surveillance audits. So I think that's just the first step mm. on the ladder. And I suppose it's such missed opportunity if that was sort of the limited focus for mm. a company to take is, you know, yeah. really not leveraging off the, the possibilities and the opportunities and of, you know, what it would be, you know, to implement a really good, robust management system within their organisation. Yeah. But um, it's not about allocating blame. It's about recognising that it's a classic evolutionary process. Mm. Um, we're a lot better now. That's great. If we started again, we'd probably do the same things. Mm. Um, as an auditor, when I'm doing certification audits, you, you go and visit people who are responsible for this and you see some silly things and you see some fantastic things and it's so easy to criticise. Mm. But if you were sitting in the chair with that pressure, with that knowledge way back when, you probably would have uh, done the same thing. So I think we need to be, um, what's the word, smart to recognise this evolutionary process from way back when to where we are today. Mm. It's just so much better and so much um, more appropriate. Um, Auditors are so much better Mm. and managers are starting to get involved and it's just not about winning a contract. Mm. That's maybe a byproduct, but it is good to help your managers, your business. And so you talk about the evolution. What what um, what was it like back then in terms of, you know, the standards? Well, in 87, we had three standards. There was, um, in Australia, 3901, 3902 and 3903, which was very confusing. One had the lock. Um, the second one had everything except design. And I just had a glance at the uh, 3003, which was just one A4 sheet of requirements, it's grown so much. And um, because now we don't have those three standards, they've been all amalgamated into one and we've got a 20-page document now of compliance criteria. And uh, that's that's in itself uh, an evidence of uh, evolution of the ISO regulator, which we mentioned in our first podcast, um, putting together a, a standard that was just a starting point. Mm-hmm. And they've ramped it up subsequently. Mm. And so this is a quality management system standard yeah, we're talking if we, about. If we talk about ISO 9001, that's a quality management system, but mm. um, this is a parallel path for the authors and implementers and auditors for safety, environmental, 
mm-hmm. etc. And some of the new management system standards which weren't around mm. in that time. Yeah. But um, and so, what was being asked of management back then? Well, probably one of the little mistakes we can see now is that um, it was quite major for some people, but you could um, hire a consultant mm-hmm. to come and do all this for you and then just put on the barbecue at the end of the audit once you got through. <laughs> um, so there's a show of leadership. Um, the management were right behind you. If you look over your shoulder, that's where they were. <laughs> but um, the standard itself said you could just have a management representative to do all this for you and maintain it and keep it up. There's no commitment from senior management mm. other than to write the cheque. But um, And then there was poor implementation because around the world, lots of other people who were not directly responsible for the business were managing all this. And there was no ownership. Implementation was terrible. Mm. It was um, also backed up with auditors who weren't so strong and companies were getting through. It had a bad name. Mm. And uh, people were wondering, well, is this all worthwhile? So the standards committee decided to ramp things up and bring it more under control of the business. So in 1994, they said, we well, can have an external person, but they've got to have executive responsibility, which made it difficult to subcontract out that responsibility and bring it in-house. Mm. That improved things markedly because there was ownership within the business. They had skin in the game, so to speak. And then um, it still was a bit uh, in need of improvement. So they decided to say top management need to get involved in 2000. Mm. which continued on in 2008, so that you had to appoint someone within the top level of management to do this. Mm. So that was another step in the forward direction. Uh, we are now at um, the Australian Standard 9001, 2015 or 16, mm. depending on which one you, you go with or look at. <laughs> and um, there is no mention about a management representative or the so-called quality manager. Mm. We now recognise that everyone in the executive team, uh, team is responsible for quality. Mm. And so we now got complete ownership of the management system. Um, all the learnings are kept in-house, all the goals that they kick, they get the credibility. And um, auditing is starting to be want to, not have to. Mm. So we're getting far better implementation today. It's not perfect, but we're heading in the right direction. Mm. And I want to ask you too, because you've been through the certification process. For You were a managing director for a, an English firm um, based here in Australia there. Um, how long ago was that now? Well, I worked with them from 1990 to 1997. Yeah. Head office was London and America, split between those two. Mm. We were the frontier out here in Australia, <laughs> so for them. And um, head office was... Uh, right into this ISO stuff and mm. wanted us to do the same. Mm. And um, I'd have to say that I was fighting with my upper management in London because we wanted to be certified to show that we practice what we preach. Mm. And uh, they arced up and said, well, would you want to do that for? Well, <laughs> <laughs> our clients are wanting us to help them. Mm. Uh, we're going to practice what we preach in Australia. So we went through the process. Um, I led the charge. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a few little tricks to, in my sleeve to, to get it across the line, but when we did, um, and I reflected upon what I did, 
mm. what we all did, um, I really can hand over heart say that I truly didn't understand what we were putting our clients through until we did it ourselves. Wow. That was fantastic for us. Mm. And I'll still remember those days. Mm. One of the tricks I played was, um, I hope my staff aren't listening, <laughs> but um, I needed to get them to read it, all our policies and procedures and make sure they were correct. And <laughs> we had a few pedantic people on side and I thought, oh, well, this will be good. Mm. So a prize of a $100 bottle of red was, was on offer for those who could find the most typos in the documents that we put together for our effort. <laughs> that was big well, back then too. <laughs> I didn't even plant any typos, but uh, I think one chap won with, uh, he found double spacing and oh, gosh. little things like that, forgotten <laughs> full stops just to try and get that bottle of red. So we were a bunch of desperates, I think. <laughs> but the end result was I achieved my aim because I made everybody read mm. every single twist and turn of that. <laughs> so to pick up any typos was incidental probably not not what you would advocate now as advice for to get this well, stuff on no. board. might be other ways to motivate but i really like that that's good yeah we had, we had a bit of fun for that yeah. um they thought i'd planted some typos but i didn't at all i didn't even know whether we had any typos but um so that was a bit of fun with that but i mean in turn we had a really good auditor who who worked with us and yeah we really got value out of the process because people could be absent Mm -hmm. and admin staff could pick up where the other ones left off and we'd rock up to do a job or a training and everything was there because we had checklists and mm. defined processes. So that was a big advantage and just systemised the way we did things. Mm. Um, it wasn't necessary when I was there by myself, but once you had 16, 20 staff on board, you, mm. have to, you become more reliant on systems. Yes. And that's what the standard's for. It just tells the story about how things happen, how we run, mm. and uh, people get recruited and they need to continue this journey and they need to read things which tell them what to do mm. in a very clear, pragmatic uh, way. It's actually a good point because, you know, that you grew that, um, well, the company here in Australia quite quickly. So it would be even more important to have all of your ducks in a row so that, um, you know, things didn't derail, so to say, you know, when yeah. we were overrun with staff. And... Yeah, and I can honestly say we didn't have any big problems, really, with um, not turning up to, to the right place or turning up to the right place with the wrong materials. Um, we were advocating compliance, so we really had to comply ourselves. Mm. Would have been embarrassing if our clients were to find any mistakes that we made. <laughs> so... Um... What would be your advice for management today if they're thinking about certification or and get involved, get involved, don't handball, um, eliminate the ignorance, um, read your standards criteria, what have you have you going to comply with, mm. make sure you understand what you're what you're doing and what you have to comply with, mm -hmm. do it your way, the standards are not prescriptive, mm. and get staff on board. Mm. And, um, you know, we've, we've got some people who are followers and people who are leaders. So this is the one where you've really got to take the lead and, um, and, and lead your staff down the path mm. of this, not wait, wait for others to do the job. So you need to take the lead mm. as a top manager. And it's been really good. And I think it's going to get stronger and stronger. Mm. And um, also, too, that we know some fantastic consultants out there in the, in the field working currently. 
Um, and it's not to say not to use those services, though. That's not what we're saying here at all, is it? No. Look, even the consultants these days are more, um, what's the word, amenable to variations in what people can do instead of off-the-shelf solutions. Mm. Good consultants, they do that. They listen mm. and they guide and um, show their clients how to... Um, uh, build pragmatic systems and implement things and uh, encourage uh, the leadership processes that I've been advocating. Hmm. That's good. Is there anything else that we should um, leave the audience with? Oh, oh, just that what rings true, as I said earlier, that if you want this certification, uh, you should do it for the right reason. You should not do it only just for marketing reasons, but uh, think of the goodness. You need to tell your own story. Hmm. Um, uh, your businesses out there are very important to you. Mm-hmm. It's how, when you think about all the stakeholders and the staff that have relied upon that business for its success, it's so critical you do this for the right reasons. And certification itself, well, that's just a, a point in time. It's not a, it's not a, if we're going to be certified, it's when. So you just got to pick the right time where you think your systems are mature enough to withstand an audit at a particular point in time. It's not pass or fail, and it's certainly not, uh, not in a, an end in itself. Hmm. Hmm. That's some good advice there. Well, I thought today was a really valuable discussion regarding certification, and I think it will be of value if we um, we'll do another podcast regarding the certification process itself. Um, we can talk about who the certification bodies are, how they're regulated, even um, businesses out there, and how you would interview and going about selecting a certification body. So. Yeah. yeah, another part that most people don't know is the opportunity to change your certification body. Mm, that's definitely a good one. All right, lots of discussion to come. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Um, stay safe and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening in today. I hope that you've found this episode helpful and informative. Please take a moment to hit subscribe. And if you know someone in the compliance field or someone who may just be interested in today's episode, please feel free to share. Be well, stay safe and happy auditing everyone.